Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Let's recite our mission statement. It is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come that we would have a marginal, uh, superficial relationship with him. And I know that many times uh, uh, there are people that have this superficial relationship with Jesus, but that was never his intent, that we would come into this personal, intimate relationship with him and grow in that relationship. And our vision is to become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. A disciple is a committed follower of Christ, someone that uh, actually does what Christ teaches us to do. And so that, that is the intent, that we will live the life that he's called us to. He's given us uh, his instructions through his word. We have his Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth. And this is not a performance-based relationship, but it's a, a, a true, authentic relationship that we should have with him. And we example that we are Christ followers as we love one another. Jesus said, if you, if you really love me, you're going to keep my commands. And he said, if you love me, you're going to love the things that I love. You're going to love people. And so he's called us to not only speak it forth, but to go out and live it. Live this thing out. Uh, we are making a difference and impacting people all across the globe. Many of you know that we're making a difference in our communities, in Israel, in India, in Africa. And uh, through the live stream, we don't know how many lives are being touched and changed and how many people are being impacted. But we are making a difference, and that's what God's called us to do, to not just sit in our little chair and do our own little thing, but to get out and go do something for him, to go out and really not just to go out and live this thing out, just express our love and just to be a committed follower of Christ. It's really not that difficult. He does all the work. We just, he gives us the instruction, and we just go. So we're in this series called Give, Go, Grow, and we give to go, we go to grow, and we grow to spiritual maturity and expanding the kingdom of God. So I want to talk a little bit about, about growing, because when we talk about give and go, we're also talking about growing. We're talking about expanding the kingdom of God, but as that is happening, God is growing, God is maturing us that we grow up and that we yield to the Lord and that we allow him greater access into our lives to do even more. I think that there is one of the hindrances to the Lord's purpose and plans for us, for us and Christians in general is complacency. And, uh, you know, I think that there are people that say, well, you know, I'm saved. I'm good. I don't think Jesus is okay with that. I think he, he wants to, to pour into our lives so that we can impact the world around us. You know, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the, the Great Commission, go and make disciples. Teach them, train them, lead them, guide them. 
And so we have to get trained up and equipped. And so we're very intently uh, doing this on Wednesday nights. And we're going through uh, faith right now, this module of faith. You guys need to be here. What, what happens when we go out into the world and people begin to ask us questions about faith or laying on of hands or baptisms or those kinds of things? Are we trained and equipped to be able to answer those questions and lead them? The Word says that we are to rightly divide the Word of truth. We are to know what the Word of truth says. Not just for us, I mean it is for us, but also how can we train and equip and lead others? Because there are people out there that have questions about the Bible. They have questions about this whole relationship thing. And God has probably placed you in a position to be able to help them and lead them and guide them and mentor them and show them the truth. Show them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we do that as we live this thing out and we demonstrate it, but also as we invest in their lives and pour into them and pray for them. Because more than likely, somebody was praying for you. Somebody was investing in your life. Somebody was helping you find the way back to this path of life through Jesus. And uh, spiritual growth and maturity and expansion is going to require something of us. It's going to require effort. It's going to require more faith. It's going to require time. It requires money. Ministry requires money. Growth requires from us. Because it shouldn't be all about us. It should be all about Him. And He works through our life like I talked about last week. Complacency will not take us to the next level. So let's not be casual in regards to the Lord or the opportunities that He's giving us. Because he can use someone else, but there are, there are times when God wants to use us to impact the lives around us. So we're in the series, Give, Go, Grow, and today I want to talk about what? If you were here last week, I, I talked about the opportunity that we have before us to, to potentially purchase a building, and we're looking at that, and I wanted to share a little bit of the story because some of you know it, but some of you may not. But uh, Pastor Christine mentioned that every Thursday morning we pray and worship from 9.30 to 10.30. And uh, there was uh, a lady that we had never met before, but had uh, a friend that was coming to the prayer on Thursdays. And her friend said, uh, hey, I'd like for you to pray for my friend. Uh, she's having a, a kidney transplant. And so we, we added her to the prayer list and we were praying for her. So about six weeks ago, this lady showed up that had never been here, never been here since, but she came to prayer and she said, I'm the lady that you've been praying for, for my kidney transplant. She said, it's going very well. Uh, the donors are doing well. Everything is, is, is going well. And I wanted to come this morning and just thank you guys for, for standing with me and praying for me. So we had our time of, of yeah, thank you, Jesus. So we, we had our time of uh, prayer and, and worship, and uh, at the end, I, I mentioned to the, the people that were here that uh, our lease was up, and I wasn't sure what we were going to do, uh, but to continue to pray, and, and we'll just see what the Lord does. And on the way out the door, she just happened to mention to Pastor Christine that she knew of a, a, a church that was for sale. And so anyway, we figured out which church and made a, a phone call, a couple of phone calls, and I got a, a phone call back from a realtor, and he said, well, uh, the board, the people that make this decision, just made this decision last night. <laughs> so I, I'm not quite sure how she knew about it, 
but she she was able to convey that information to us, and so we've been uh, we went and looked at the building, and and we we have a contract offer out on the on the building, and uh, we'll we'll see how they respond. And uh, so that's, that's why we're, we're talking about this, the give, go, grow, because I firmly, firmly, firmly believe that this is a door the Lord is opening up for us. And, uh, and, and so we have to step up if, if we want to take possession of, of this building. And uh, the thing that I, that I believe uh, the Lord does is he provides. He, he provides, but he provides through people. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, like I shared last week, the good news is we have the money. The bad news, it's in your pocket. So, uh, so anyway, uh, but but I've asked you to pray and just ask the Lord what what we're to give, and and I'll talk a little bit more about it. But uh, you know, we had a, a family already give a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So we're yeah. Thank you, Jesus. So we're excited about that. But let me get into the Word, and I'll talk a little, a little bit more about this at the end. But let's go to Ephesians 3.20. It's a scripture that, uh, that I've, I love this scripture. Uh, now all glory to God who is able, God is able, He is able, through His mighty power, through His mighty power, at work within us. So if you look around the room, His mighty power is at work within us. He is able to do uh, or accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And so we're, we've been talking about it's time for us to go to this next level. And uh, we've been praying uh, for months that God would bring us a building. We've been praying that every Thursday morning. And, and, uh, and now we have an opportunity. <laughs> Be careful what you pray for. <laughs> so, you know, you're praying for that, spa- that person to, to marry them. You better... Seek the Lord and, and make sure, because a little later down the road, you may find, oh, thank you, Jesus, that I didn't marry them. But this is a good thing, and I really believe that this is a good thing. God is, listen, when we pray, are we, are we praying in faith? Are we praying with expectation? Or are we just kind of, you know, Lord, I thank you for this light. You know, I mean, are we just kind of wandering around like a zombie? And so God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. There's a, there's a man in the Bible that's talked about his name. Uh, do, you, do you guys remember the prayer of Jabez or Yabez? Do you remember that book that was out a number of years ago? And uh, it was based on uh, this story about this man. Uh, it's, uh, if you read in, in First Chronicles, it's going through the... Uh, all the lineage and, and everything of, you know, so, so-and-so begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so was married, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of stops. And it talks about this, this guy named Yabez, and it says that he was honorable. He was an honorable man, and that he was born in pain. We're, we're not really sure, or I'm not sure what that meant, if, if his mom had a, a hard uh, delivery or, you know, what happened there. But anyway, let's, let's look at 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. And this is talking about Yabez here. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And so it's really interesting. You're reading about all these descendants... And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like the word stops and talks about this guy. And he says, oh, that you would bless me, that you would expand my territory, that you would keep me from evil or pain. Let's, let's read on. Uh, verse 10 continues. 
and God granted his request. Okay, so we, we don't know a lot about him, but we know he was honorable. Uh, we know that he was seeking the Lord, and uh, he was born in pain. But uh, he, he is saying he's presenting his petition to God. And I think, you know, I just kind of have this impression that he had a relationship with the Lord because the Lord honored his request. And we have this desire for greater influence in our community and to see greater expansion of the kingdom of God. And when we pray, we need to pray with expectation. And then when God begins to open a door, then we need to pray about it, but we need to walk through those doors. And like I said earlier, it's going to require something of us. Most of the time, if we're going to go to another level, whatever that looks like spiritually or, or whatever, it's going to require something of us. You, you didn't just get your degree by walking across the, the stage. You had to do something. You had to prepare. You had to learn. And so I'm not saying that this is about performance, but I am saying that we need to grow into this thing. We need to allow the Lord to yield us because I believe God wants to expand our territories. So what if we had 200 people show up? Do we have the infrastructure to handle that? Do we have, are you trained up and equipped to, to handle that, to lead these people? Because one person can't lead all those people. And so we're talking about training and equipping. You know our core scripture, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, and these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. You know, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. For what? For equipping the saints so that we come into unity of our faith and knowledge of God's Son, Jesus, that we become mature in the Lord. So that is the purpose. That is one of the primary purposes of the local church is that we get trained and equipped, not just so we can be trained and equipped, but so we can go out and make a difference. Let's go to Matthew 7, and Jesus is teaching here, and he says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. So let me ask you, have you been seriously praying for Jesus' revival? I know many of us have. We've been praying, Lord, let there be a Jesus revival take place. We've been praying, Lord, open the portal of heaven over us and pour into us in greater measure. We've been praying that the principalities and powers that have people bound up in these communities would be broken and that people would be set free. Have you, have you been seriously praying about that with us? I know many of you have. What about seriously praying for a building? Have you, have you seriously been praying for a building? And so when we pray in accordance with his will, he will open the windows of heaven and provide for us. Your will on earth as it is in heaven. So we're praying the Lord's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to this personal, intimate relationship with him to lead others to the same. And when, when we get a building, there will be a dynamic shift that will happen as we have our own building. We're on our own land. And uh, we'll probably uh, do this, but probably physically drive a stake in the ground and say, we're claiming this ground. But there's something that happens, I believe, when we get our own property. It's, it's uh, not only just physically having that location and driving a stake in the ground, but I think that there's something that happens in the spiritual realm as well. And um, we, with the rent increase, it's probably going to happen 
honestly, it, it only makes financial sense that we would look for a building that we can purchase because we can continue to pay rent or we can apply that money toward a building. And so, uh, you know, when we ask and pray, when we pray for a building, when we pray God bring us a building, we're believing in faith. We're not just throwing up some empty words, but we're believing. And so whenever we pray, whatever we pray for, we should be praying with expectation. Right. If we're not praying for, with expectation, what's the point? I mean, really. We're, the word says that we're to bring our petitions to the Lord with thanksgiving and that we need to come with uh, an expectation and in what we're asking. So let's let's look at uh, Matthew 7 again. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. So we're asking, we're seeking, but we're also realizing that the Lord must provide. But he tells us in his word to keep asking. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. And so what we've done is we've been praying about this and we feel like the Lord has opened up a door and, and uh, we're asking and we're seeking. We're doing our due diligence to get our financials in order and, and submitting loan packets to the bank. We're not just saying, okay, well, Lord, you open this door, make it happen. No, there's something that's required of us as well. And it's mainly to trust in him. But there, there are some things that we have to do as well. So keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. So God is opening doors. But do we have the faith to walk through these doors? Are we complacent? Or, oh, yeah, I'm all right here. Okay, well, we're all right here, but God wants to do more. Matthew 7, verse 8, For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. When we pray in accordance with his will, God moves. God does something. But he's asking us to ask, seek, and knock. That's something that we do. And then we listen, and then we respond or we obey, that's something that we do. So you see, there's a part that we all play in this thing of God working through our life and God wanting to do something. He could do it on his own without us, but he's, he's looking at us. He's, he's chosen us to go and do something and make a difference. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 1. Now Solomon, uh, King David's son, has just taken control of the kingdom. He says in chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Solomon, son of David, took firm control of his kingdom, for the Lord his God was with him and made him very powerful. The Lord was with him, Solomon, and what? Made him very powerful. Verse 2, Solomon called together all the leaders of Israel, the generals and captains of the army, the judges, and all the political and clan leaders. So he brings all the leaders together, so that they can be in unity. And let's, let's read on here. Then he let, led the entire assembly to the place of worship in Gibeon, for God's temporal, temple was located there. And this was a temple that Moses, uh, uh, this was a temple that Moses, the Lord's servant, had made in the wilderness. So Solomon becomes king. And he says, okay, I'm getting all my leaders together. We're going to go to church. We're going to worship. We're going to seek the Lord. It's one of the first things he does. That was wise. So 
Let's skip down to verse 6. There in front of the tabernacle, Solomon went up to the bronze altar in the Lord's presence and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings on it. A thousand burnt offerings. Notice the extravagance of what he's doing here. He was supposed to offer probably, you know, probably a bull, you know, and, uh, and, and so I can imagine that some of the conversations that this one sacrifice would have been when acceptable, especially if you're a priest and you're having to slay all those animals and, and do all those sacrifices. Okay, well, we've got a job, guys. We've got we to gotta sacrifice this one bull. Okay, you get over here and cut them up and do, you know, all the things that they would have to do. Um, oh, oh, Solomon wants to do more than one. Oh, well, we can do two. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> two. Ten? Oh, well, that, that, wow, that's really extravagant. That, that's great, Solomon. Yeah, yeah. What, a hundred? He, he wants to sacrifice a hundred animals? Five hundred? A thousand? What? <laughs> Thank you. Do you understand the extravagance of his offering? And it was driven by his heart of gratefulness. See, he had this relationship. He had this understanding of what God had done for him. Our, our measure of giving to the Lord is a reflection of our heart. We've talked about that so many times. Our giving is a reflection of our heart. It's much less about our, our wallet and our money in, in the bank than it is about our heart. And in today's conversion, it's believed that King David gave $21 billion with a B, $21 billion worth of gold of his own treasury for the temple. Because, you know, the story that uh, David wanted to, to build a temple, and God said, now you're a man of war, but I'll let your son build it. And David said, well, hey, can I, can I gather this stuff together? Can I get everything together? Listen, David had a heart for God. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't about the $21 billion worth of gold. It wasn't about all this stuff. It was his heart to give to the Lord, to provide all of the material that he could so when his son built the temple, he had the best. He, didn't, he wasn't giving his leftovers. But you know, there's a story in the Bible where I think somebody gave even more than David. Remember the widow that had two mites? It, it, you know, it, it is nothing, almost literally nothing compared to 21 billion. But you know what was something? She gave from her heart. She gave all that she had. David gave away 21 billion, but he still had some stuff, you know. But this, this woman gave all that she had. And you know, there's another extravagant gift too. Uh, in Genesis 22, Abraham was willing to give up his only miraculous son. He was willing to give him up. And here's another extravagant gift. Jesus came. Died on the cross for us. For all of our sins. So if we want to talk about extravagant gifts, there are a number of them in the Bible that we can look to as examples. Uh, God is the ultimate extravagant giver. And he wants us to be extravagant in giving as well. Let's look at 2 Chronicles 1, 6 again. There in, in, in front of the tabernacle, Solomon went up to the bronze altar in the Lord's presence and altered, um, and I'm sorry. There in the front of the tabernacle, Solomon went up to the bronze altar in the Lord's presence and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. 
this was a, a revealing of his heart. And you know what? This extravagance, this heart condition that Solomon was demonstrating got God's attention. Let's look at verse 7. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine the God of this universe coming to you and saying, What do you want? Ask me anything, and I will give it to you. That tells me that God had a lot of trust in him. Because he could have asked for anything, and God would have given it to him. Oh, that we would have that kind of relationship, that we would have that kind of heart, that God would come to us and say, you know what, you're trustworthy. I can trust you because you have my heart. You're not about you, but what do you want? Ask me anything and I'll give it to you. I think that is just so amazing. So God sees our hearts of generosity as well. And there seems to be a correlation between our generosity and the Lord's blessings to us. We've talked about this before, that the first 10% of our increase belongs to Him. And God is looking at our hearts. And many times our hearts are demonstrated by our actions, right? Because I can say, oh, I love you, and then go home and beat you up. Well, that, that doesn't really work very well. So God is looking at our hearts that night, God appeared to Solomon and said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. I, I, I find that amazing that, that, that God would just you know, do that. Okay, so let's read on. In verse 11, God said to Solomon, Because your greatest desire is to help your people. I want to stop here. God sees that Solomon's desire is not for himself, but to help his people, really God's people. So God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to help your people and you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies or a long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people. I love this because at the beginning of the scripture, he says, you ask for your people. And then at the, at the, at the end of the scripture, he talks about, well, really, they're my people. And you're asking for wisdom to lead my people. What are we? His prized possession. What are we? His masterpiece. God has great care and love for us. And, and he, I believe God really honors this prayer because he knows, he sees the heart of Solomon, that he wants to lead God's people well. And the vision of Life Fellowship is to see everyone have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. That's the target. That's the goal. And God uses uh, you know, a number of different ways and things to do that. But that is the target because we want to see people get delivered. We want to see people coming into a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. We want to see our communities changed. We want to see the world changed. Amen. We are world changers through the power, yes. the power of God living in us. Yes. He is more than able through his power working in us to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. And I think when he finds people that he trusts, he will move heaven and earth. So let's go back to this building thing. A larger building will require more money and tools to reach people, to see that lives are changed. We are building our ERA, our eternal retirement account, not our, just our IRA, because God takes money and he converts it into saved souls. It takes money to do ministry. 
And if we can get into another building and be actually better stewards of what we're spending our money on because we're actually buying something, be in a better location, um, I think we're going to have greater influence. And like I shared last week, I don't think that God is removing our influence from Kima, but I think he's expanding it. And, and so this is, I really see this as a promotion. God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to help your people and you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies or a long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people. I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested, but I will also give you wealth, riches, and fame such as no other king has had before you or will ever have in the future. So Solomon understood the value that the Lord places on people. And, and so when, when our focus is to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, he says all things will be added to you. So Solomon understood and he wanted to lead well. And uh, when we have the heart of God, he will move whatever he needs to move to accomplish the things through us that he wants to do. God is looking for people that he can trust with true riches. What are riches? Well, I think it could be resources. It could be anointing. It could be money. It could be love. It could be the ability and the opportunity to lead or shepherd God's people, his prized possession. You remember the story about the, the three servants that had... Uh, and the master said, I'm going away. And he gave one servant five talents, one servant two, and, and another servant one. Uh, now, it's, it's, what we need to understand, too, with this, this parable is that God is the master, and we are his servants. Some of us, he's given five talents to. Some of us, he's given two talents to. Some of us, he's given one talent to. Do we understand the gravity and the magnitude and the importance of what he's given to us? And then are we doing anything with it? And you know that the, the, the uh, servant that had five talents earned five more. The one that was given two talents earned two more. The one that was given one talent didn't do anything with it. And so the master came back and said, why didn't you do something with this? Put it in the bank to earn interest. And so he took that one talent and gave it to the servant that had 10. So what are we doing with the, the, the talents and the opportunities that God is providing for us? So if God is opening up a door, are we willing to step through it? Let's look at Luke 16, 10 through 13. If, say if. if. What does if mean? It's conditional, right? Okay. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. So I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you faithful with the things that he's entrusted to you right now? Well, I'll, I'll do better when he gives me more. It's just a little bit right now. You know, I, I'm not worried about that. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Yes, it does matter. Because if you're not faithful in the things that he's given you now, if you're not faithful with a little bit, do you really think you're going to be faithful with more, with an abundance? And so it's a matter of stewardship and character. It's a reflection of our heart. Because if God has given us something, whether it be 25 cents or 25 million, he expects us to be good stewards with that. And there's a reason that uh, we... Are, are excellent stewards with what God's given us. There's a reason that there's a spirit of excellence in this place is because we're representing him. 
And, uh, you know, excellence is part of our DNA. So if we're sloppy in the little things, do we really think we're going to be excellent in, in other things? No, probably not. Let's look at Luke 16.10 continues. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So let me go back to tithing. Are, are we giving, are we, are we returning the first 10% of our increase to him? If we're not faithful in that, really, are we going to be faithful in, in anything else? If we're going to pick and choose what we're faithful in, that's, that's really not going to work very well. And so God has said, hey, listen, the first 10% of, of your increase belongs to me. I'll bless you with the 90. And the reason God tells us is, is because he wants to bless us. He wants us to, to trust him. And then he pours out, and many of you know this, that he just pours out his blessings in abundance. But God is looking for people that he can trust. Because what if... If you won't return what belongs to him, what, what happens if he gives you an excessive blessing that he wants to pour out into the kingdom and use for the kingdom? Well, no, I, I can't give it to them. They're going to damn it up and hold on to all of it. Well, I'm going to look for somebody that will release to the kingdom. That's what he's looking for. And not only do we get to be the conduits that he's pouring through, but we get, we get to be blessed can you imagine if, if you had millions of dollars and, and you were able to go and bless people, how, how that would make you feel? I mean, you'd probably get some decent meals along the way and get to see some things. You know, there'd be benefits to that, but that wouldn't be the primary per, uh, purpose for that, is that, that God would be pouring through our lives. God would be impacting people's lives through us. So if, if we don't obey the, the basics and the fundamentals... I'm not sure that God is going to continue to give us more. I mean, if you had an employee that, that, that didn't handle a small project, are you going to put them on a large project? Let's look at Luke 16, 11. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? The true riches of heaven. I wonder what those are. I think one of those things are, are us, people. That's what God's concerned about. Not gold and silver and all these things, but about people. And so, would you trust someone with your valuables that was not a good steward of their own things? I remember uh, this guy called me up one time, and <clears throat> he knew that I had a chainsaw, and he wanted to borrow a chainsaw. He said, yeah, we kind of burned up the other one. We were cutting some roots in a ditch, and dirt got in there. And I'm like, well, you're not taking my chainsaw. Mm-mm. If you can't take care of your own chainsaw, you won't be taking care of mine. So Luke 16, 12. And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? I want to commend you, guys. You have done just a phenomenal, excellent job of taking care of these facilities. When, when, you, when we moved in, this place needed some help. <laughs> and I tell you that you guys have done just a phenomenal job, and we have people come through sometimes, and, and they, they look at the excellence that's demonstrated here. And that doesn't just happen. It's intentional. And so you guys have done a fantastic job of taking care of the things that God has given us to steward over. And that's important.
So we have treated this, this building and the things that God has provided as, as our own. And stewardship and excellence are part of our DNA. They're part of our culture. And be, being good stewards and doing everything that we, we can to the best of our ability is the culture here. We have some challenges in this building. We have a low ceiling. But you know what? We, we work with what we've got. And you guys have done an exceptional job. Uh, I want to share a, a story. There was, uh, as you know, we're, we're praying for a praise and worship leader and team, and these guys are doing a great job, but this is not their home church. But we appreciate them helping us out. And, and in the process, we've had some different people come through that have not really had the right heart. And uh, there was this one particular praise and worship leader that came through, and they knew that we had requested not to have uh, coffee or tea in the sanctuary, just water. Well, they had a sore throat or something going on, and so they had some tea, and uh, they accidentally knocked it over, and it spilled on the carpet. And uh, I, I happened to be in the vicinity, and I saw what happened, and they just kind of walked away. And so I, I went and got some paper towels, and I soaked it up, and I didn't make a big deal about it, but it needed to be cleaned up. But apparently, she was not going to do anything about it. And uh, because here's the thing I think the attitude was this is not my church, this is not my home, this is not my concern. Let somebody else clean it up. And I thought, that's the wrong heart. <laughs> I'm not your mama. You go over here and clean it. But, you know, it, 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 it wasn't so much about that. It's about the heart. She hasn't been back since. Because worship is about connecting with him. It's a heart thing. Giving to the Lord. Being good stewards is, is not about the stuff. It's a heart thing. And if we, if we don't have the right heart, we need, we need God to do something. Luke 16, 13. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus talked about money a lot because he knew the stronghold that it would have on people. And extravagant giving runs counterculture to this whole... Uh, uh, mentality that so many people have. I've got to hang on to my money. I've got to hang on to this stuff. But what we find in reality is we, as we open our hands and let God pour through us, He opens the gate. He expands the pipeline that's feeding into us and pours into us. Because see, it's not about the money. It's not about the giving. It's about the heart. And, and it is about the giving from the context of he gives, so we give. And he blesses when we give. And we don't give to get, that's the wrong heart again, but we give to reflect the heart of God and to be a blessing to others. Because we can't really be a, a blessing if we don't have anything to bless with. But if we're going to be blessed and we're going to dam it up and hold it up, how's that going to bless anybody else? So God is looking for people that are faithful. And uh, it, it takes faith to, to move a mountain. And it takes faith for us to step into this new thing. Every time we go to another level, 
it's going to take more faith. And um, as I was sharing with you guys, we had, we had a family that, that gave. And so here's the target. Our target is a minimal of $300,000. We'd like to get $500,000. Well, actually, we'd like $1.5 million. Uh, if, if, if you have it, I'd, I mean, while we're talking about it here. And who knows? Somebody, you may have $1.5 million in the bank. Maybe you don't even know it. <laughs> if, if you do, you might want to check your bank accounts today. I, I don't know. But that's really our target. We have no debt, absolutely no debt. And we don't want to get into debt. But I believe that God is opening up the store. And if it's going to require us to take out a loan, then I, I think he's okay with that. But we need, if, if you look at $100,000 that was already given, stop and think about that. $100,000. I see the hand of God all over that. That he would provide to this family. Not only provide, but they would, they would obey. They would choose to obey and that they would give. And I know God is going to reciprocate, but I know that was not their heart. Their heart was not to give, so God reciprocates. But I know he will because that's, that's how our God works. So if you look at it from that context, we're a third of the way there if we do the minimal of $300,000. If, if, if we're looking to do $500,000, we're 20% of the way there. Listen, I, probably not everybody can give $100,000. But there are some of you that can. You, some, there are people that I believe can give $10,000, maybe $50,000. I don't know. But what I'm asking you to do, what I'm asking us to do, this is family, okay? We're talking about expansion of the family that we can be more impacting in the world. What I'm asking you to do is to give an extravagant gift because there are three levels of giving, tithing, offering, offerings, and extravagant offerings. And most people never get to the offerings or the extravagant because they don't tithe. Most Christians, most Christians do not faithfully tithe. And they're missing out on the blessings of God. And, you know, this is so important because God wants to pour into our lives. And if we can't be trusted with a little, he's not going to give us more. And we have this great opportunity. And so we just started this giving campaign last week. And I, and I asked you guys last week to, to faithfully pray and then obey. So I expect that there will be some more checks in, in the giving boxes this week and next week because I really want us to pray and obey because this is, this is something we're doing as a family and we have a great opportunity. Let's not miss this opportunity. And I want to thank you in advance for giving, for praying and obeying. I, I want you to continue to tithe because we still have our regular bills, so I'm asking you to give above and beyond your tithe. And we have some envelopes, uh, Steve and and Cliff and Al have, have some giving envelopes. Uh, if, you, if you would, uh, if you're giving to the, the building fund, just write on your check building fund so we'll know that it's for the building fund. It's not your regular tithes and offerings. And uh, I tell you what, man, I'm excited. I'm really excited about this, this opportunity for us to go to a larger facility and have greater influence we're in a, a position that uh, this, this building is in a location that's, that sees probably 50 or 100 times more traffic than this place does. 
And I really believe that God is challenging us today to move, to go to a higher level. And we can make that happen as he blesses us and we obey and go forth. So if you would just uh, repeat after me, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. The, the prayer team will be up here if you have prayer requests, prayer needs. And uh, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you. I, I'm really excited about what God's doing. And uh, I just can't express that enough. But I, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. And, and uh, we're, we're going to see what the Lord does here. And uh, I want to charge you as always. You have the opportunity, the mighty power at work within you to, to be a vessel that God can use. So I want to challenge you to do that as you go out and live it. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless you.